from Hollywood, it's The Nighttime Show. With us always, our producer and head writer, Matt Walker. I'm the host of The Nighttime Show, Stephen Kramer Glickman. And our guest today is the one and only Taylor Momsen. Taylor, thank you so much for being here. It's very cool of you. Thanks for having me. How you doing, man? I'm good. How's your quarantine? How are you holding up during all this absolute nonsense that's happening to the world? It is uh, certainly crazy. I mean, uh, I'm doing all right, I guess, you know, all things considering. Can't complain. Uh, Certainly missing the road and, you know, outside life, but... All in all, doing all right. Yeah, I mean, you're uh, as as a musician, you have been just you were you've been just crushing it. Like so, like we we put out stuff on Instagram and on you know our Facebook and you know just kind of asking like you know quest you know if people had questions for you things like this. And literally, almost every single question was about music and about your. Uh, you're about about the pretty reckless and about other, uh, you know, musical projects that you have. What's uh, where did the where did the music come from? How did this get started for you? Oh man, that's a that's a long question. Uh, I know, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, uh, music was music's been such a huge part of my life since. I mean, honestly, before I can remember. I mean, my dad is such a music lover, so I I, I grew up in a household of just listening to great albums. I mean, it started with the Beatles was the first band I ever heard. And, uh, the, the bug of rock and roll kind of, kind of clicked and stuck, I guess, from a very young age. And I mean, uh, I don't know how to, how to go through 27 years. Of course. Uh, I mean, oh, I, you know. when, when you were first, uh, starting out in music, did you have a particular, like who, like who were you listening to? Like what was, what was the big inspirations for you? I mean, the Beatles are a forever mainstay. I mean, that was where I fell in love with music as a kid and, and you know, obviously continue to, they're the best. Um, but as, you know, the Be- I grew up with classic rock. So it was the Beatles and the Stones and the Who and Pink Floyd and ACDC. And then as I got older, I got into like a lot of the 90s stuff. I, I fell in love with Soundgarden, um, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, uh, that whole, you know, scene. Sure. And then some, some kind of, you know, eclectic stuff in between. But really, I just I fell in love with rock and roll at such a young age. And, and it really, I don't know, it really touched me in a in a deep place. And I, I never let that go. And I just I it was something that I really it was just a, a passion of mine. And, and songwriting, songwriting was actually the thing that really like I always sang and stuff and I, and I loved it. But so, when I started writing songs, that was the thing that really um connected me to it in a, in a in a different way i think it was it was such a such an outlet for me and uh i don't know something that i i i wouldn't be myself if i didn't write songs if that makes sense like i don't, i don't know who i'd be if if, if, yeah. if there wasn't me if i if i wasn't making music i don't know who i'd be as a person it's, it's such a part of my identity what's the first song you wrote Oh God! Something terrible when I was like five. <laughs> uh, yeah, Mozart composed "Little Little Twinkle Twinkle Little Star" when he was four. So come on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was like, I, I think it was like I loved animals. I think I wrote about uh-huh. my dad's dead dog or something when I was a kid. Oh, but, see, uh, I would listen to a song called "My Dad's Dead Dog." That's see, a good name for go. a song. Yeah, sure. Well, you know, maybe maybe save it for a punk rock album yeah. or something. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but no, I mean, you you write a lot of, of bad songs before you write you know good ones and i think it took it took me a long time to to kind of hone my craft and basically when i started to pursue music professionally it was when i had reached an age that uh 
that I, first of all, you can't put out a record when you're like, you know, a little kid. So right, of course. Yeah, I mean, you can, but that's that's not yeah. good for anyone. Right. Um, so, so I, I had to wait till I was old enough to actually write something that was meaningful and something that I wanted to share with the world and 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 meet the right musical partners and you know form the band and you know all that takes time. And so, mm-hmm. really, when I when I made the transition into to music full time, it was simply because I had written a record's worth of material that I really loved and really wanted to share with people. And once I had done that, there was there was no looking back. Well, did you did oh. you find when you were going into music, transitioning from, you know, your acting career, which was obviously pretty successful, into music full time, did you find when you're dealing with like these record companies that they wanted to sort of give you the songs they wanted you to do? Or were they okay with you just being like, hey, here's what I'm gonna do and you're just going to put it out. Like, how did that sort of play out? Uh, there, I, <laughs> there was a, a little bit of both, I guess. Um, I think in the very beginning, I mean, I certainly was sent songs and saying, do and kind of getting, uh, try, uh, people were trying to push me into a certain vein that I wasn't um, comfortable with. That mm-hmm. It wasn't my, like, because for, for me, music is so about self-expression that if you're not writing your own songs, I don't understand the point. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> sure. So, yeah. Like I really don't. So I, so, you know, I, yeah, I got sent, you know, songwriter things going, do this and it'll be great. And, and it, to me, it was so not a question. It was just like, well, no, I, I want to be an artist and that's not even want to be, I, I am an artist. And so either you support my vision and, and want to help me along this journey or you don't. And so it took a while to find the right partners um, in the music industry who really backed what, uh, what I was trying to do and, and what I'm still trying to do. And, and we, I've, I have to thank my managers for that. I have a really great support team behind me who are really just utterly supportive of of my vision. Because if it's not your vision, then it's it's so easy to get lost in in the commercial world of music. And it, it's very it's 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 always a struggle because you know commercial com, how do you say uh, commerce and music do not mix <laughs> like mm-hmm. they're com, or commerce and art and they really don't mix and so it's it's a it's a kind of a constant struggle and a constant battle to um make the art win i guess uh, yeah. and so you know it's because that's that's really all that matters like as long as i make something that i'm proud of and i'm happy with and i can listen to it then i'm then i'm happy you know success or no success that you know that's what you that's secondary it's it's really just about making something great Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, you know, everybody has the you know uh, the road to the road to success is like so different for everybody, and yeah. what people consider success is is so different. Like, uh, what was the moment for you where you were like, "All right, I have achieved something that's significantly successful in this part of my." business like was there a moment where you were like okay i've i've crossed over into 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 what i've what i wanted out of this i think there's been multiple moments you know all on different scales but i think you know they come in in waves i think the first the first moment was meeting the band and going oh wow like there's something really magical here and it's very difficult to find musical partners who you're so just on the same page with and, and connect with on, on so many levels because music is so incredibly personal. And so to be able to, to share yourself with other people like that in such an honest, open way is, is challenging. And so when I when I met the guys uh, in the band and our producer, Cato, who's now uh, passed away, but at the time that was, that was an incredible moment in my life. 
Um, and then finishing the first album was, you know, I think probably the second thing. Uh, and then going on tour. I mean, I'm kind of just going through the list. <laughs> no, no, yeah, and then, but then, go, yeah. but then going on tour and, you know, releasing a record and we, we kind of started overseas and we went to, to Europe and we played the show at, uh, Notting Hills art club in, in London. And it was this tiny little like divey club. It was awesome. And to this date is still one of my favorite shows we've ever played because we just released the album, and, you know, you never know what to expect when you mm-hmm. put out music into the world. You, you don't know if people are going to respond to it. It's it's so something that I don't think about while creating. Like, I don't think about what's going to happen after it <laughs> comes out because I so just make it for myself. And t- we played the show and it was way oversold, lined down the block, packed, jammed. And we only had like one single out at the time. And, they, and the record had just come out and they knew every song to every they knew every word to every song on the record. Wow! And they sang and they sang so loudly. Wow! That they oh were louder God. than the, that they were louder than the PA. <laughs> Holy like, shit! I, like we couldn't get louder than they were, and it was it was a pretty incredible moment to know that something that I I wrote and worked so hard on had had reached people around mm-hmm. the world and this and connected to them. It was it was a, a moment I'll never forget, and then that just kind of you know continued <laughs> continued and and just kept getting bigger and bigger and. You know, then our second record, Going to Hell, came out and Heaven Knows went number one and having mm-hmm. a, a huge rock radio single for the first time was, you know, in, insane. Um, oh, that's so cool. And, just, yeah. and, you know, and now our, our fourth record's coming out hopefully soon here and we just put out the first single, Death by Rock and Roll, and that just went number one. So it's like, okay, we're just trying to kind of beat our own goals here, I guess. I, I don't really <laughs> I don't really know how to think about it. It's, it's, uh, it's really humbling. It's just, it's, you know, when people relate and connect to your music, it's just kind of the highest compliment you can get as an artist, I guess. Well, you know, what's so crazy, and we talk about this because Matt and I are both stand-up comics and, you know, I'm, uh, I'm an actor and all that crap. And I think yeah. we, we all we've we've all talked about this numerous times that like all stand-up comedians and all actors want to be rock stars it's like something we all want because because the idea of being on stage and performing and there being this audience and it's such a fucking cool thing and it almost never happens like the trend that transition is almost fucking impossible for it you've done it well thank you it's totally true what you're saying though because i also i'm a huge stand-up comedian i love mm-hmm. comedy like i live in new york i, I haven't been there for a while because of quarantine but uh like i go to the comedy cellar all the time i'm a huge comedy fan oh my god and that's awesome I, lo- I, I love it i love it it's the thing that aside from music it's the other thing that keeps me going is is watching stand-up it's, it's you know it's kind of on uh, um, when we're on tour it's on repeat on the bus it's just constant comedy <laughs> and so and so i want to be a comedian and yeah. so i've heard this many times while speaking to friends of mine who are comedians they all want to be rock stars and all rock stars want to be comedians 100 percent. Yeah. <laughs> i think it, i think it, i think it goes both ways yeah. like john mayer's tried and miserably a bunch of times and you're like just stop just like like you're john mayer you don't need this like being comedian is miserable 99 percent of the time like you don't need to do that i ran into justin timberlake at the improv one night and i was like are you fucking kidding me are you gonna start doing stand-up you you handsome son of a bitch like this is not for you justin timberlake this is not your realm (laughs) he had that snl thing going at the time probably yeah yeah he did now do you find Find uh, that part of the reason that you prefer music to say acting uh, is that because you get to write well, your own songs. We're just assuming that. Do you prefer music to acting? 
Oh, it's not even a comparison. I'm <laughs> yeah, not an actor. I'm, I'm not. I'm not an actress. Yeah. I mean, I got, I got put into acting when I was two years old. Like I, I got put into it as a, as a young child, and it was just a part of my life and a part of my life yeah. growing up. And when I got old enough to make my own decisions, I quit all that and oh simply. My God. So, so parents, if you're listening. And you put your kid in acting at two at two years old. This is what's going to happen to him. Yeah, you don't want this get, to happen. Yeah, the wife of Taylor Momsen. That's well, uh, for God's sake, man. <laughs> hey, come on. No, They'll no, wind up no, no. rich and successful as musicians instead. <laughs> exactly. What a terrible outcome. <laughs> hey, it's, it's, it hasn't been easy. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was I was wondering. So, like, do you find that one of the reasons why you prefer music is because you get to express yourself and write your own stuff, as opposed to acting? You're mainly like reading words that other people have written for you and doing what other people tell you to do. Oh, yeah. I mean, you kind of just summed it up. I mean, acting is you're, you're playing a character. You're playing someone else's role. You're, you're, you're fulfilling someone else's vision, I guess, or attempting to. And music is simply fulfilling my own vision and, and saying what I want to say and, and, uh, and writing what I want to write and, and sharing that with the world. And so it's, it's, they're completely like two totally different aspects of the spectrum to me like Mm -hmm. you can't compare one to the other one is simply just trying to be yourself as authentically as you can and the other is completely playing a different person yeah and that's why i enjoy stand-up over any acting roles that i've ever had is because you know it's it's my own stuff you know i get to talk about what i want to talk about it's not just reading words somebody else read yeah yeah Yeah. well it's fully it's fully your project so you're you're a thousand percent invested in it like there is no one else the buck stops with you yeah well, it's it's you know the the acting side of things uh not not to like it's a it's a it's a tricky this I and I don't want to be like oh we have to talk about the acting stuff. But what's what's interesting is like I I I'm and I'm just saying this is that like you 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 know you start out in like this massive gigantic I think uh, not your first job. I think your first job was Co- was Cosby Show. Is that right? Maybe. Uh, my first job was a shake and bake commercial. <laughs> oh my god! Nice. Is that available on it on YouTube? Yes, it is, and I've made many uh, jokey memes about it. On my <laughs> nice, so great, That's so great. <laughs> like when you were when you were acting when you were very very young. Like was was the environment like an okay environment for you like did you was your family with you did you have did you have like protection and people and stuff like that like how was it being uh, young and doing that yes and no I mean I didn't I didn't really know anything differently so you know I I look back on it now and it's like oh what a what a strange life I've led but uh, you know I didn't because I started so young I didn't really have a normal schooling environment I was in and out of different schools constantly I was traveling constantly so I didn't really have a a friend group growing up, which I think was a huge part of why I wanted to be in a band and not a solo artist. Who wants to do this alone? You know, I I wanted to be the Beatles, not Elvis Presley. Like I wanted, you know, who wants to, it sucks to do this alone. You know, you want your friends there. So I think I I really, I think that's why I connected to music so much is because I spent so much of my life kind of in, um, in isolation in my own head. It was kind of my, my, my fantasy world was where I escaped or whatever. And, and that really, that's where the writing came into play. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like, I'm not going to complain about it. It was so, honestly it was so long ago. It's just, it, and it, you know, turned me into who I am today. So it's, it is what it is, but it certainly, <laughs> you know, it had its ups <laughs> and its downs. And, well, yeah. 
it's got to be it's got to be pretty fucking bizarre to be a kid and be you know sure like uh, we we know people who were like child actors and they were in a a couple things Mm -hmm. or commercial here and there this and that and then suddenly you're in how the grinch stole stole christmas which the the budget on that movie was 125 million dollars probably ran way over it it (laughs) and it made like half a billion dollars uh and yeah i didn't make that right (laughs) and but it's like an enormous thing and you're there with the most successful former child actor of all time directing that movie ron howard oh yeah Ron yeah. Howard. I mean, he, yeah. he was he was a sweetheart. I, I from the very little that I I was five years old in that. Yeah, so, you were like, just a kid. So the very little I remember. I mean, that was all all positive from what I can remember. And mm-hmm. but you know, it's 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 strange to live your life. I, I can't tell at this point anymore what are actual memories and what are memories based on photographs and things that are you know documented i mean yeah. there's every you know every christmas the, the grinch is on television so there's no getting away from it i don't have any like i don't have any regrets <laughs> or, or shame or anything about it it's just it's just it was so long ago it's like you know what were you doing when you were five i don't you uh, know yeah. i talk about that <laughs> oh my god no 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 of course of course and that's like that's the that's the tricky part about something like this is that like it's like there are you know like you know like being uh being an actress and being on a show like you know having done like a show like gossip girl for the amount of time that you did that show for and things like this like you you end up whether you want to or not you kind of get thrust into being this um you know person that you know people look up to and you you can't make any mistakes and you're like out there trying to like you know grow and be a kid and it's fucking hard i mean well i never really lived my life like that i never i i, I try i'm not a huge fan of technology and you know i i understand social media's place and stuff and i enjoy it here and there but i never lived my life with the worry of what the outside world would think because mm-hmm. if you start to think like that it it can destroy your your psyche like that's not a healthy way to think so i was never really worried about making i made plenty of mistakes believe me like (laughs) and a lot of them are all over the internet yeah so it's just i I try to just live my life without letting that uh influence me at all i guess um which is why when you release a record it's such a strange feeling because i i work on this music and stuff so much by myself and, and with our internal, you know, little group. And then it goes out into the world. And I say, it's like putting, you know, it's like having a child and then sending it off to college or sending it out <laughs> to the world or throwing it in the water and going, well, I hope you can swim. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, you don't think about that while you're making it. You think about, am I making something good? Am I making something that I'm proud of? And mm-hmm. then it comes out in the world and you just go, well, I hope you hope you like it. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, did you have any musical training when you're growing up? Because, you know, you're doing acting, you're probably going to acting classes and things like that. Were you studying music in, in a way in sort of some sort of like classroom setting or with tutors or um, no, lessons or I've, anything or I've actually never taken any lessons I never took acting lessons I never took music lessons I mean I took really? like piano I took piano classes when I was very young and stuff but uh she's just really no, good at everything all... automatically well, <laughs> I, don't really good. I don't know if I'm really good at anything but I try no you're <laughs> you're you're fully, amazingly fully talented self, you're you're a super self. talented <laughs> thank, thank you. I'm uh, I'm fully self-taught though. It's just mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't know. It's just something I've something I loved, and I just kind of worked on by myself. It's a thing, you know. It's 
a thing that always sort of amazed me was uh, Joe Perry from Aerosmith. I remember reading something about him, and like they'd already been like the biggest rock band in the world in the in the mid seventies, and that's when he started taking guitar lessons. Like at that yeah. level is when he started because he was like he he. I remember some interview I read, uh, and he talked about how like he felt like his solos weren't where he wanted them to be, so he's like, I'm gonna go get some actual musical theory training and and learn about why music is the way that it is and the structure and how things can can play together in different ways sure and then he used that to take him to like the next level of as, as a guitarist so um it's kind of interesting a lot, a lot of people start that way and then sometimes they go in later on they're like let me go back and learn some of the things that like the people in orchestras know and see how i can apply that to to well, my yeah, music sure. I yeah. mean, once you you know run the, the gambit of what you know you go well what else is there to know yeah <laughs> so you know that yeah. that makes sense to me exactly Hey, Matt, before we continue doing the show, we got to talk about what we're talking into. These Sennheiser microphones are fantastic. Yeah, they are literally top of the line. The best company in the world when it comes to microphones, headphones, audio equipment like this. I mean, yeah. it's just so damn good. If you want to sound good talking into something, get yourself some Sennheiser microphones. Yeah, it makes you sound epic. Mike Black, uh, say something epic. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages. Um, If I say any more, lawyers will get involved. (laughs) We have to. (laughs) Exactly. But But I said it clearly and you you can hear it clearly. God, I can hear it. It sounds perfect. Um, Hey, uh, go and uh, go check out Sennheiser. If you are looking for audio equipment, uh, you're looking for a great microphone, this is the one to use. Mike, uh, Matt, what is what's this one called that, that we're using? Uh, this is the MD42. Oh, it's perfect. Yeah. It's absolutely perfect. Find them at Sennheiser.com. You bet. All right, let's get back to the show. Um, one of the questions uh, that was asked of, of you from uh, one of your fans was, uh, the Vans Warp Tour, how was that tour for you? Oh, man. Um <laughs> <laughs> those because those two are those tours are we yeah. we, have, we know comedians that were we on know that comedians in the comedy tent and it was Holy brutal shit yeah brutal. yeah yeah brutal brutal is a good word um i mean that was our first like proper long you know few month tour uh and the looking back on it now i mean when we were on it we you know being on the road i was like what i was 16 at the time it was you know it was a blast um yeah. <laughs> getting to play every day you know bands and and city going from city to city and living on a tour bus for the first time like all that was amazing um but i think looking back on it i think the best part about warp tour was probably that we really we really learned how to cut our road chops on that tour um mm-hmm. which are different than studio chops of like warp tour did this thing where you didn't know what time you were playing they didn't tell you until the day of so there was many mornings where i would be you know asleep in the bunk and the tour manager would come wake me up and go hey you're on in 30 minutes get up and so i would just <laughs> so i would just take my pants off and put on shoes and wear my pajamas on stage like wow. so there was, oh my god there was, a, there was a lot of uh just, I wrote road choppy. It was like boot camp for like summer camp boot camp for bands, I guess, Mm -hmm. which I think, you know, in the beginning of our career, I think was probably a really good thing to go through. But I think it also trained trains you in a lot of negative aspects of touring um because once you get to a more kind of professional level uh like if i have my timeline right which i'm so bad at this but i I believe the like the next big thing we did after that was we toured with evanescence Mm -hmm. and going from warp tour to a proper uh 
you know, like professional tour yeah. was, was, was very drastic. Like watching the way she ran her camp and the way everything rolled like a machine and uh, just so professionally handled. Um, I, I really learned a lot on that Evanescence tour okay, about, I got how, about how to, how to be professional at this. Whereas mm-hmm. Warped Tour was more of like, you know, fun summer camp. <laughs> I've got a, I've got a good, uh, evanescence story for you real quick if you want if you want it's the only time i've ever told this story on the show yeah yeah um but i was at a bowling alley in canoga park we're talking maybe 15 years ago the canoga park the canoga park bowl and uh i'm at the bar and i'm i was uh i was having a drink that's where we both started doing stand it's where we both started doing stand yes yes uh and we're i'm standing there and there was this dude big tall dude kind of heavy set and we were talking and he was like oh i'm in a band and i was like oh yeah what band he was like uh it's called seether and i was like (laughs) oh i know that band kind of and then he was like he was like yeah i'm the lead singer of that band and I was like, oh, okay. And then he was like, uh, yeah, we started talking a little bit. And then, and then he goes, he goes, ah, damn it. My, my girlfriend's bothering me. She's texting me. She wants me to come watch her do Dance Dance Revolution. And I was like, <laughs> all right. And I like followed him into the arcade. Mm-hmm. And, and Amy from Evanescence was doing Dance Dance Revolution <laughs> in a tutu. Um, yeah. And he and and she was like, "Are you watching me?" And he was like, "Yes." And she was like, "She was like, watch me!" And then she just kept doing it. And I was like, "This is the fucking weirdest thing I've ever experienced." That's the same arcade. They used to have a horse racing game that was like this giant four-person horse racing game, and I used to play that all the time with a guy who was one of the new members of Suicidal Tendencies at the time, fifteen years ago. Holy shit! So it was just a hangout for for rock stars, I guess. It was. It 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 was. It yeah. was. Is it, um, is it is it divey? It's very, oh, very divey. divey. Yeah. yeah. Well, then of yeah. course, then, then you know you're attracting yeah. the right kind. We used to call it the pit. <laughs> yeah. Was the was the bar? Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite kind of places are dive bars. Absolutely. More fun. Yeah. I feel like I feel like I fit better in in the shadows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, another question that popped up, this was from, uh, CC Solano 16, uh, asked, is there any pop singer that you like that you're just, that you have, that you are a fan of in any way? Uh, that's an interesting question. I mean, I think it depends on your definition of pop. You know, I mean, you could argue that the Beatles are a pop band. So, you know, I could say John Lennon and Paul McCartney, Mm -hmm. and I would stand by that answer. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm assuming they probably mean more contemporary, uh, which I don't listen to a lot of contemporary music. If I'm being honest, it's not anything against it or whatever. It's just it's just not really my cup of tea. Um, but I do like I'm uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I do love uh, something totally sideways, which is uh, the band The Antwoord from South mm-hmm. Africa. Sure. And I think Yolandi and Ninja. I think they're I think they're awesome. Um, and they so think you're freaky. <laughs> no, they, no they, they think i'm freaky yeah they think yes <laughs> well I, I think they're freaky yeah. and i like them a lot <laughs> i know they're great they're great um what uh what about uh, uh musicians that you haven't gotten to work with that you would like to work with at some point is that do you have anybody that you that, that uh i mean that's always an interesting question too because i you know i respect so many so many people and you know when you think off the top of your head, oh, I'd love to work with blank blank or blank blank. Like, yeah, it sounds like a great idea, but without a song or a reason for it, it's kind of fruitless. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so I think I, I mean, I honestly on this on this album, I got to work with uh, 
a couple people that are, you know, have been huge influences on me throughout my career and, and my life and, and it's kind of a lot of full circle moments. I mm-hmm. mean, uh, we have a song called Only Love Can Save Me Now, which is which features Kim Sale and Matt Cameron of Soundgarden, which was Whoa. just a that's gotta be a ultimate. huge deal for you. I mean, being a Soundgarden fan, that's a that's a big deal. Massive, massive deal. It's one of my favorite songs on the record and I, I honestly I can't wait for people to hear it. Um it, I mean, there's there's the whole backstory to that. I mean, we, we were opening for Soundgarden on that last tour. We were we were there the night uh, in Detroit when Chris passed, and, and that oh my God. that that was very affecting to me. Um, everything that happened, and and I, I I remained close with with the guys in the band. And so to see to to get first, I'll, I don't want to get heavy here. So I'll no, 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 please. But to, to to get to work with them on something that was ours was was incredibly special i mean we, we went to uh we flew to seattle we went to london bridge studios which is where they recorded louder than love um and you know they did like pearl jams 10 there and, and you know alice and chains like amazing records were made at that place and so to get to go to that studio with with matt and kim and 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 hear the song that I'd written come to life with them playing on it was just such an incredible experience that uh, like a highlight in my career that I'll never ever forget. And I just, I honestly can't wait for for everyone to hear that one. I can't talk too much about it because it's not out, but uh, (laughs) that's something really special and certainly something I never could have dreamt of as a kid that that would ever happen. And then, I mean, and then if I, if I'm continuing, if I'm talking about who Mm -hmm. who we've collaborated with um, on this record, we also have the amazing uh, Tom Morello is on a song called on. And so it went um, who, you know, Raging Against the Machine, obviously, of all his solo stuff, but, you know, Atlas Undergrad, everything he touches is amazing. So to have him come in on this song and when he comes in with his solo, I'll just, if you're a Tom Morello fan, I'll tell you, he does not disappoint. He nice. comes in with his unique voice and he comes in wailing and just elevates the song and, to a whole, oh, a whole that's level. So of fucking cool. That's so cool. Yeah, that is so, oh, we can curse on this. I've been trying yeah. to censor myself. Oh, no, no, you, yeah. can say, you can say whatever you want. And, and yeah. Raging Against the Machine, by the way, is number one on my list of bands that I want to see live that I've never had a chance to. And they finally get back together, and they're gonna do like their little like Coachella thing in like six cities, or whatever. I'm like, I'm like, okay, where can I travel to to go see them? And then a fucking pandemic hits, and I'm like, God it damn it, sucks. Uh, you know, see, I, I'm with you on that. They were on my, or still are on my bucket list. Like Guns and Roses with Axel so was number one. I was so excited. Yeah. Are you kidding, Guns? They, they were number one. I finally got pandemic, to see them. So yeah. This pandemic sucks so much. We were supposed to be opening for Guns and Roses. Like we had oh, some of the best touring. Oh, I would have, so I would have seen you. I would have gone. I would have gone to yeah. see that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, yeah. our touring was insane. It was the Foo Fighters, who I love. It was, oh. it was Guns N' Roses mm-hmm. with Gary Clark Jr. It was Pearl Jam. It was like the, all the festivals. The list went on yeah. and on, and it was like this amazing lineup of shows. And fucking and COVID. <laughs> the worst. I know the worst. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I've only, I'm. I've only been to a few concerts in my life, and they are Marilyn Manson during the Antichrist Superstar Tour. I saw him when he broke his ankle on that tour, and then, uh, by the way, Hole opened for him. Hole was amazing. I know. They were at the L.A. Forum. Hole was fantastic. Blew it out of the water. Courtney Love was amazing, right? Great show. Have you ever, wait, have you, Taylor, have you ever seen Marilyn Manson perform in person? We opened for Marilyn Manson. Okay. Oh yes. my God! Yeah. Did you really? Yeah. Oh, that's so, he so puts on, cool. Puts on a great show, right? He comes out. He amazing. breaks his ankle jumping off a speaker after like three songs, and then he goes backstage and like, "Sorry, concert's over." And I was like, 
Put on an air cast, Marilyn. Come on. Oh. <laughs> you don't have to he's run around. The fu- he's the coolest. <laughs> Those man. shows are amazing. Like what was that like working with him? That must have been insane. It it was. Uh, we have a saying of what goes on the road stays on the road, mm-hmm. and that that tour certainly <laughs> lives up to that saying. Oh, uh, but he, I mean, honestly, he. he super sweet and and it was a fantastic experience yeah. and I, you know i'd do it again in a heartbeat um but uh great great but uh crazy yeah. <laughs> I, I can't i'm things, sure things things i'll save for a, a memoir save that for point. the book in 30 <laughs> yeah, years right yeah. write the book write the book it's like when they do the thing about uh motley crew and ozzy osbourne snorting ants you know it's like oh, you know. yeah well, the, well we weren't snorting ants but <laughs> Well, it, that sounds like a pretty damn good time, though. Um, what uh, of 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 all the you know people in music that you've gotten to spend time with? Like, who's the person where you were like kind of cold sweating, like panicking though, that that you're in the same room as them? Uh, I mean, it had to have been. It had to be Chris Cornell. Mm-hmm. I mean, the first I'd met him a few times before that tour, briefly, but. Uh, when he walked, I mean, when he walked up to me, it was a, we were outside, we were in Indianapolis and he, he walked up, I was sitting outside, uh, outside the dressing rooms and the sun was in my eyes and I, and, you know, the band, the band and everyone we were hanging outside and I couldn't see who was walking up because he was so tall and like this, this ray of light was backlighting him in this luminous godlike way <laughs> and, and he, and I just hear, Hey, Hey Taylor. And I, and I look up and and it's, fucking Chris Cornell standing there and you know all all the all of the all the emotions mm-hmm. <laughs> came flooding up and I you know I stood up and we had a, a lovely conversation and that was at the beginning of the tour and uh yeah I'd have to say I'd have to say Chris Cornell who's I've just he's been such an influence on my my career how did and, you get you know, word you were going to tour with him like was that something arranged through management or did like you get a call one day and they're like hey do you want to come on the road with us or, or how did that whole play out and, uh, I mean, everything goes through, you know, management, labels, mm-hmm. agents, you know, all that. But, uh, I basically, yeah, I got a phone call that said, Hey, so you guys are opening for Soundgarden. And that was, <laughs> that was a, that was a phone call I never thought I'd get in my life. Yeah. And wow. it was, it was pretty much, we were at the, the highest of highs. I mean, you have to understand this band kind of formed around the love of the Beatles and Soundgarden that mm-hmm. all four of us at the time, five of us, Cato, our, our producer, we all loved that music so much that 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 was the kind of the glue that that brought us together so to to suddenly be opening for for Soundgarden (laughs) what yeah I mean our our minds were blown uh, and his his loss was like a really bad that was a bad one like because just that that voice and and his just what he was like as a person just it it just seems like that was a really bad one uh you know it's it's gotta it's gotta be you know hard to to be out with someone like that and be working with someone like that and then and then have them you know pass that way that's that's very difficult it was it was past devastating i mean we went we took we took a, a few hits kind of right in a row there i mean it was you know going from the highest of highs of being on that tour to you know saying goodbye to him in detroit and hugging him goodbye and having a nice conversation and he got in the car and then you know a few hours later i got the phone call that he had passed and i oh my god i was crushed as an understatement i didn't i didn't know how to, i you know i was young and i didn't i didn't know how to process i'd never 
dealt with anything like that before. And it just, I was in such shock that, you know, and we were supposed to, we were in the middle of a record cycle at the time and we were supposed to stay on the road. And, mm-hmm. and I, we played a couple shows after that, but I was not in a good headspace. I, like I was not okay. Yeah. Um, and I had to, I was like, I can't get on stage every night and, and pretend that I'm happy and fine and, and entertain an audience when, you know, it just feels forced and it's fake. And, and I, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that artist. So I canceled everything and, and went home and tried to process and understand what had happened and, and, and actually started writing again and was like, okay, let's, let's go make another record. And right as we were talking about getting into the studio again and, you know, where are we going to make it? Um, you know, where should we do this? You know, you know, all the, all the pre-pro conversations, a few days later, I got the phone call that our producer and, and my best, best friend in, in the world, uh, Cato, had passed on a motorcycle crash. Oh, my God. Um, and so that was kind of the nail in the coffin for me in a lot of ways where I just went down a hole of utter depression and mm-hmm. and and this, and this is very, very dark place that, <laughs> you yeah. know, I hopefully will never go back to again. And it's like the, it's so massive that I wasn't sure how to get out of it. I wasn't sure if I ever would. I kind of gave up on everything. I kind of went, I don't know what, like, what's the point of doing anything? What's the point of making music? What's the point of anything? Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, it got real bad there. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, just into this deep depression of substance abuse and, and everything that goes along with it, of, of the trauma and everything. And, and uh, to make a very long story short, it was, I finally, I turned to music like I always have in my life. And, it slowly but surely was the thing that that saved me that really brought me out of it and you know just from listening to to records that have always been there for me and and felt comforting to that that led to writing which i didn't really have to try to write this record it kind of just so ingrained into who i'd become that it just Mm kind of poured out and when that happened then it was the whole you know once i'd written the album that was okay now how how the fuck do we go about making a record without Cato? like we've never we've never made a record without Cato before yeah, yeah. And so that was the whole thing and, and luckily i knew one other guy who's a, a dear friend and uh, an, an amazing engineer his name's jonathan wyman who actually is a he's, he is out of maine um and so <clears throat> we went into the studio with him and this is actually the first album that ben the guitar player and i, I co-produced because it was so so we, we made this record kind of it felt almost like I guess it felt very much like it feels like a rebirth in a lot of ways because it it feels almost like the first album in the sense that we lost everything and so we were starting from nothing again um and so I'm just it's everything we went through everything I went through it's it's all in there in the songs it's like I still get choked up talking about it so excuse me but uh it's it's all there in the music and that's why I'm it's, it's I'm excited for people to hear it because in my opinion it's it's really the best album we've ever made it's 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 a level up of of i don't know maturity and and whatever you want to say about it but i just well I look it, it's Taylor, all in there. It, i i appreciate you talking about it because it means something to you and you and your music mean something to us and to your fans and it's like it's nice to 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 know kind of where it's coming from you know and 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 i mean cato was like a fucking huge deal for for those who don't know i mean aside aside from his like um, amazing work with you he's also like you know my chemical romance worked with them and drowning pool and papa roach and all sorts of like huge huge bands and had been to you know 
he had done a lot of work with some really incredible people. So <laughs> that's a big that's a big loss, and that's two huge losses right in a row. So for you to turn that into music is a is a big deal. That's a really well. Big it was kind of well. I kind of had hit the place where it was okay. I'm I'm at this 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 crossroads in my life where it was it was it had gotten so kind of dark that it was it was either death or move forward and and it and it, you know i i i chose move forward you chose the so, correct one yeah, yeah I, I chose yes, thank god I chose put it in the music so i gotta i yeah. gotta thank rock and roll man i know it sounds so mm-hmm. fucking cliche but rock and roll saved my life for the billionth time you know it's the one thing that i can always turn to i didn't have a lot of friends growing up but i always had those records and and music and I, that's why i say music's been my best friend my whole life mm-hmm. yeah and it still is it never lets me down that's great. I, um, uh, cliches are are uh, a, a funny thing. They they well, they like, stem from some truth. They so. stem they stem from some truth. They bring comfort uh, w- when you're going through something. Like I went I I went through like a huge life change recently, mm-hmm. and like when I went through he's this, on menopause now. I am on menopause. I went through this like massive breakup after like being with someone for almost nine years. Mm-hmm. And oh, wow. um, it, like it was, it was, a. I mean, it was not, there's been worse breakups that people have had, but it was yeah. just a hard, it was a hard thing, you know, to let go of. And the, and I, my first phone call was to Matt Walker, who's on this podcast <laughs> with me, uh, because I was like, Hey, can you come over? So I have someone to like sit with and, talk with and stuff which which we're and then he came over and then we like sat together and talked and it was like oh my god this is the most cliche (laughs) fucking thing in history for like to like call your best friend to like sit with you while you're going through a hard time but it's cliche for a reason it's because it's helpful yeah it's helpful it's comforting you know it's it's amazing to you know to be fortunate enough to have a support system of friends and, and people that you can turn to in, in times of trouble you know absolutely like, <laughs> you're um, just quoting a bunch of song lyrics now like see? i heard that's what friends are for <laughs> in times of trouble <laughs> like there's the Ed warwick there's the beatles <laughs> in times of trouble <laughs> hey uh before we continue doing the show I, we gotta talk about uh the the equipment that we're using mm-hmm. To make the show, uh, make an epic show that is, uh, it sounds like, you know, everyone is right here. Like yep. we're all sitting together, but we're not. We've got a fantastic multi-track recorder from Zoom. Um, yeah. If you need multi-track recordings, that's the only company you should even be looking at. Um, basically, we had issues when we had to switch to doing things during a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And we were we went from doing a show with people in person to people over the phone. And Zoom just made it a piece of cake. Yeah, you bet. ZoomCorp.com is the website. And uh, they're, you know, this has made it so that we could interview people in uh, Nigeria, New Zealand, New Zealand, um, Guatemala, um, uh, Austria, Czechos, like the Czech, the Czech Republic. Um, when we were Are doing you just all naming those... countries now? Yeah. Well, no. When we were doing all the interviews with the cast of uh, 90 Day Fiance, we were yeah. talking to people you know, in, the, in the Ukraine. Yep. Like, mm-hmm. We were doing all sorts of crazy stuff. And then just the other day when we had uh, John Reese davies on the show. From New Zealand. He was in New Zealand the whole time. It sounded, it sounded like, like he was, he was sitting in the room with us. Yeah. yeah. It truly is the mark of excellence for podcasting. Zoom, Live Track L8, 8-Track Mixer, Recorder, the board for creators, podcasting, music, and beyond. Yeah, it is a... 
badass system. And uh, we're very lucky to be working with uh, Zoom. Go check out zoomcorp.com. That's zoomcorp.com. Zoom, you have to say it three times. That's what people do in ads, right? What is it, Stephen? Zoomcorp.com. It's zoomcorp.com. We're talking about zoomcorp.com. All right, let's get back to the show. What uh um one uh one or two last questions before we uh we wrap up um uh the one and only Glee asked uh is there a song that you would consider covering or have you done any covers that uh we can look forward to in the near future? Um well yeah I mean first of all there's a billion great songs that I'd love to cover eventually throughout my career but uh. I mean, recently uh, I just did a couple beautiful collaborations in quarantine, which has been kind of um, refreshing just since we're not on the road and and getting to kind of work with uh, artists and and make something that probably wouldn't have happened if we we weren't in the situation. I mean, I just did uh, a collaboration. We just did uh, Matt Cameron and I just did Halfway There by Soundgarden Mm -hmm. um, remotely, which I think turned out pretty amazing uh, as a tribute to Chris and uh, and then also, you know, can you tell I love Chris Cornell? Um, the, <laughs> yeah, the, a little bit. The, uh, the, 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 I also just did uh, a cover with the amazing Elaine, Elaine Johannes. Uh, I did The Keeper by Chris Cornell, which was the song he wrote for the movie Machine Gun Preacher, mm-hmm. um, which I, I just put that on my, my Instagram and stuff if you, if you want to check it out, which... Uh, he, which is actually kind of an interesting story that he, Elaine had been stuck in Chile since quarantine started because he was on tour playing Lollapalooza and, and about to go on the road and, and got stuck in Chile. So he's mm-hmm. been stuck in Chile since this started. Oh, wow. In, mm-hmm. in an Airbnb by himself, which is just crazy. <laughs> That's got to be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> oh and the, and we did this for, for, a, for a charity show on, uh, I believe it aired Saturday. And uh, for Music Cares and, and everything, which, you know, it's obviously mm-hmm. amazing to, to support all that. And it was just... And and it happened to be the day it aired the day that he could fly home. So he's he's finally almost home. So finally back. That was kind of a, a nice full circle thing. So you can check that out too. The, the keeper by uh, Elaine and myself is out now, and and I'm sure there'll be more to come. Awesome. Now those are typically what you're talking about have been released as singles. And I know, like as a fan of classic rock, you probably listen to a lot of albums. Like because back in the day a band would put out an album and the, the album itself was a work of art. Like the order of the songs mattered and which songs came after which one and which ones led into oh, others yeah. and that kind of stuff. How do you find that the music business today reacts to you writing your music? Cause I imagine that the stuff you're doing on your albums is sort of done more similar to that based on your influences. It's, it certainly is. I mean, our albums are, are very much meant to be listened to from front to back. Uh, they, they, especially this one, that certainly takes you on a journey. Mm-hmm. Um, like Death by Rock and Roll, the single, that's the first song on the album. Uh, you know, it, and I thought that was kind of important to, to start people off with, with the introduction. And it really is just the introduction. Mm-hmm. It's just the tip of the iceberg of where this record goes. Um, so, I mean, definitely, I mean, to me, like, the, like, I'm currently working on the album packaging and stuff. And and just the track listing, the, you know, the, the order, the photographs, the, the way it's... Uh, conceived and presented i think is is so is so important because that's how you really get to know the artist it's not no offense to podcasts and interviews and things but it's it's not actually you're not going to get to know the artist from that like you're you're going to get to understand that 
that person and that artist through the music because that's what you really pour your soul into um and so i think that yeah absolutely it's certainly important and it's it's something that i oh i, I lost track there wait your question was how effective <laughs> well, well i was just asking about the now. you know like the change between the music industry now being so focused on like singles and hits and all that versus albums the way well, it used to be i don't know that the music industry has never not been focused on singles. I mean, I, I think that music is kind of cyclical. Like look mm-hmm. at the fifties, it was all singles. And then the sixties mm-hmm. and seventies came in, the album took over again. And the eighties was all singles and, you know, it's great records there too. But then the nineties came over and it's albums again. So I think it, it kind of, it, it, it's cyclical. It, it, mm-hmm. it moves with the tides or whatever, if you will. Um, so I, I, so it's not, it's not strange to me. I, I understand you know they have to market it they have to advertise it to you know in this crazy new world we live in and you got to pick one song you can't market 12 songs to everyone at once it's too confusing no one understands it and so i think that's that's why you know the fan base and everything is so important of just of feeding them with with the correct information of of trying to deliver your art to them in the most honest way possible but they're you know a single decision is always a that's always a, a, a quandary oh, with yeah. a lot of people with a lot of opinions and a lot of people have a different vote. And, you know, I think the buck always ends up stopping with me, but it's hard for me to choose a single because at the end, you know, after I make an album, I, I love all of them. Yeah. So, so I don't know. So I kind of, I Sophie's choice of your the, songs there. I kinda, yeah. I kind of turn to the powers that be of what they think should, you know, come out first and all that stuff. But, uh, because I, I just make music man i really don't i don't that. like i know it sounds stupid but i really do that's all i focus on is, is the art of it well it's probably that's probably why it's so damn good you know that's oh, thank you. Well, it's true it's true um it's uh it's awesome getting to chat with you um if uh if ever you're down to uh to perform live and do like a like a like a fun uh late night set you know and do like a show what we sometimes we do our show live at the hollywood improv Improv on melrose and we've had i love that place we've had uh all american rejects and Mm -hmm. um uh the gin blossoms and lisa loeb and um who who was the johnny manuel Johnny Manuel and also all sorts of like fun people have yeah. uh, you know swing by and stuff. So if ever you're around and uh, quarantine is up and people are allowed <laughs> to be at clubs again and do things, uh, if you're I, ever in LA yeah. and you want to do a set, I mean, we and if you ever want to come see us do stand up, you're always on the comp list. Absolutely, hundred percent of the time. Love, Bring your whole band. Both, I would love to do both those things. Hopefully right. the hopefully this pan- pandemic ends sooner than later and we can actually get back to doing fun things yes. like that because I, I certainly so. miss it absolutely. <laughs> absolutely you bet hey we said that at the same time <laughs> jinx <laughs> jinx you <laughs> uh, you you are the coolest thank you again so much for doing this uh, where can people find you on social medias if they're looking for you uh, it's ever, I mean twitter is well there's band accounts and my personal account so my personal accounts is twitter is just at taylor momson instagram's at taylor momson facebook i believe is at taylor momson um <laughs> and then the the pretty reckless is the band sites for everything so same thing the pretty reckless on instagram the pretty reckless mm-hmm. or wait sorry uh tpr official on twitter and the pretty reckless on facebook so and uh, kind of, i try to keep them all updated as much as possible and when <laughs> so is the new album coming out information from that is a great question that I still do not have an answer to. <laughs> so um, fall, I think winter, we're looking, 
I think we're looking at the very beginning of 2021. Okay. Um, but we're going to be putting out more singles and stuff before then. Right now we're currently trying to figure out how to make visuals mm-hmm. to the songs and make music videos and things, which is a bit of a struggle in quarantine and just trying to figure out the logistics of all that. Um, so that's, that's the next hurdle to overcome at the moment. Uh, yeah. and so, so it's just, it's, it, we're just kind of riding the, riding the storm out like everyone else. But really the main reason for pushing the album back was just simply putting out a few songs and stuff is, is one thing without being able to play, but putting out a full album and not being able to tour just feels, feels a little wrong. Yeah, <laughs> it of feels, course. It feels yeah. very bizarre. Like it's, I've been saying, it's very strange. I mean, Death by Rock and Roll is the number one rock song in the country and, we have never played it in front of a live audience before. Like how how crazy is that? So it's just, it's, it's getting a little daunting. So we're, (laughs) we're itching, we're itching for, uh, for it to come back. Oh, me too. I get it. Uh, Matt, where can people find you on the internet? There are links to everything at funnymat.com or if you're upset by me in any way, please let me know at mattwalkersucks.com. And, uh, and people do. Handle. Yes, people, that's a real people, thing. Yeah, people really do yes. that. And they do hate him a lot, <laughs> as he says horrible things uh, all the time about J.J. Abrams. Yes, um, you can always <laughs> you can always get me at Stephen Glickman. Uh, Stephen Glickman at Stephen Glickman. S T E P H E N Glickman on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, LinkedIn. Uh, I'm just kidding. No, no one uses that anymore. Um, Taylor Momsen, you're the fucking coolest. Thank you for doing this. No, honestly, guys, thank you so much for having me. This has been a blast, and hopefully we can actually do this in person at some point. I, uh, I hope so. I hope so. That would be awesome. All right. Talk to you soon. Take it cool. easy. Thanks. All right. Stay safe, guys. All right. You too. Bye-bye. All right. Later. Oh.